Well, we're in our uh, final uh, lesson on Jude today. It's actually Jude 20 through 25. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and read uh, 20 through 23. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So Jude gives us some pretty uh, practical information on our task, basically, as Christians, what we should be doing. Um, of course, the first thing is we need to make sure that we're building ourselves up in the faith. Now, of course, we know that God will help us build our faith. He's promised he'd do that. But we also have to be participants with that. We need to consent to the Lord building us up in our faith. Let's look at a few of those verses. Now, Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, you know, God wrote the book of our lives. In other words, he knows every word, including the last chapter. So he is the author, the one on whom our faith is built He's the object of our faith. Faith is not a force. It's not a power. It is our belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, we have to live out that story uh, that God has written because of his foreknowledge, not because he predestined us without regard to anything else, but it's all based on his foreknowledge, what he knew. Uh, he's omniscient. Therefore, he knows uh, how we will, we will respond to hearing the gospel and to the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We don't know how it all ends or even what's on the next page beyond today. So we need to trust in him. We, he will perfect that faith as we submit to him daily. We have to pick up our cross daily and follow him. That means we're putting to death our old self and putting on the new self. And it's basically a daily thing. We have to continue to submit to the Lord. It's clear in many places in the Bible that we also have a duty to hold on to our faith. Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. You have to hold firmly to it, not walk away. I see so many people today who maybe were a Christian or at least professed to be a Christian at some point in their life, but they walked away from the Lord. That's the problem here with, uh, unfortunately, with Leanne's daughter. And unfortunately, some of my children as well. We have to keep praying for them. 
we must keep the faith. That's what the Bible says. First Timothy 3, 9, they must hold, keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. So we're not only to hold to the gospel message, obviously that's number one, but we're to hold to the deep truths of the faith. That's really talking about the core doctrines, the, the, uh, the, the foundational doctrines of our faith. We have to hold to those, we don't give them away. Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of denominations who have basically given away uh, parts of the core doctrine of the faith. We can't do that. We got to hold on to those. And 2 Timothy 1.13 says, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. We are to keep the pattern of sound teaching with faith. Of course, we have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that those are his principles that he wants us to live by. We must also persevere in sound doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. There's no way to save people. There's no way to, in other words, reconcile people to the Lord Jesus Christ unless we are persevering in our life and doctrine in the Lord. Otherwise, it's, it's useless. It's not going to help anybody. So we need to make sure that we are sound in our doctrine and in our teaching. You can't be a light, light and salt to the world unless you do that. We must also overcome <clears throat> by faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that, it, that has overcome the world, even our faith. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the victory that overcomes the world. In the first three chapters of Revelation, each church is told to overcome, be overcomers. You know, we have a lot to overcome today. The world is strong. The things that are being taught by the world to our children, oh my goodness. It's no wonder some of them walk away from the Lord. They're taught just the opposite of what the Bible teaches. By the way, if you see something that's 180 degrees out of phase with the Bible, that's a doctrine of demons. We have to re-educate our children. We have to basically debrief them if they're going to school. Even little kindergartners are being taught stuff that I can't even repeat here. Awful stuff. But uh, we need to continue to reach out to them and, and try to help them. But we can't do that unless we are adding to our faith. Second Peter 1.5 says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. But it says make every effort. It is an effort to add to your faith. A lot of times our, the Lord tests our faith through difficult situations. 
situations where we have to put our trust in the Lord. And so we have to make an effort. It's not easy. It's not easy to trust in the Lord. Sometimes it's just easier for us to trust in ourselves. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> you don't get the result you really want if you're trusting in yourself. In fact, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. We need to be trusting in the Lord and in his word. So it also says we must strengthen our faith by continuing to meet together to study the word. I'm so glad you guys are here to study the word of God. That's what we should be doing, meeting together. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. Amen, Steve. Yes, I do. <laughs> I see the day approaching, man. It's, it's almost on us. And so we need to continue to meet together and encouraging one another in the faith. And it's important. People, you're, you know, we're not lone rangers out there on our own. We have to have one another. Also, Romans 15, 4 says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We need the encouragement of the scriptures so that we can not lose hope. Today, it's easy to lose hope looking at the world and what's going on. I mean, a lot of people are just falling away. Uh, it's, it's quite sad to watch how the church is emptied out because of COVID. And the, unfortunately, a lot of churches are not even back to where they were before now. They're still half empty. You know, people went, oh, well, maybe going to church wasn't that important. <laughs> it actually is. As we see the day approaching, we need to continue to worship the Lord, whether it be in, a, in an established church or in a home fellowship. Hey, home churches are just fine. That's, that's what the early church people met in, was people's homes. So it's important that we do that. And we also have to be prepared to defend the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Philippians 1.16 says, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. We actually have to defend the gospel these days. Uh, a lot of people think it's not necessary. I don't need that. But they do. Very much so. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I like this verse because it has a very good balance in it. First of all, we do need to demolish arguments that set themselves up against the word of God and the knowledge of God. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, presenting the truth in love. There's that balance. 
It's not all love and no truth, and it's not all truth and no love. Both those things need to be present in order for people to be able to respond, to feel free to respond to what we're preaching and what we're demonstrating with our lives. So keep that in mind. I often ask the Lord, please give me the mind of Christ in this matter. You know, I need to have your mind and how you would think about this situation. Well, the next thing we need to be doing, according to Jude, is pray in the Spirit. You know, God guides our prayers by the Holy Spirit. And we must pray for people who are falling into deception as the Holy Spirit directs through his word. Sometimes we need to know when to pray for them and how to pray for them. Sometimes we don't know what they're really going through. We don't know their motives. We don't know the inner workings of their mind. But the Lord does. He knows their every thought. We cannot know the hearts of people, but the Holy Spirit knows them all. And so we need to depend on him to guide us in our prayers. You know, sometimes we don't even know what we're supposed to pray. Romans 8.26, in the same way that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Sometimes I'm like uh, reduced to groaning for somebody. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't even know what to say anymore. But the Holy Spirit helps us if we ask him. He will help us to put into words the things that, that he knows are happening in that person's life. It's amazing how sometimes in prayer, the Lord brings things to our mind to pray about. We then become a partner with God in his work for that individual or situation. You know, and that, that's such a great responsibility to be a partner with God. But that's what he wants us to do. But, of course, we must always continue to pray. We can't stop praying. Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You know what? The Lord <laughs> accepts all kinds of prayers. It's not to say he's going to answer them necessarily the way we want. But we can ask him all kinds of things. And the, and the Lord uh, listens to those prayers, and many times we'll act on those prayers. We have to keep in mind, though, that we are praying to the Lord. First of all, we need to be giving him thanks. Always be thankful to the Lord for all of his answers to prayer and all that he is, all that he's done for us in our lives, etc. Also in 1 John 5, 16, we know if anyone sees a brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, we should pray and God will give him life. We need to pray that God will give people life who are living in the death of their sinful man. We are dead in our sins until we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and submit to him. 
and turn and follow him and continue to believe in him. So that's something to always keep in mind. When we're praying for people who are living in sin, we're praying that they won't die, <laughs> that they won't have eternal death, death, that they will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and the wonderful life that he gives. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we know that, but we need to be sharing that with others. Meanwhile, Jude says we need to keep in God's love. Oh, this is a tough one today. It's easy to turn around and hate things. <laughs> There's a lot to hate in this world. But don't start to hate people who hate you or persecute you. That's not the way of Christ at all. We are different from the rest of the religions in this world and how this world views that subject. Luke 6, 28 says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. See, we have the opposite reaction. We should be blessing those who curse us. Some guy yells at you from another car. <laughs> Pray for him. Pray for people who mistreat you because of sharing the gospel or sharing sound doctrine or principles from the word of God. Also, Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's a hard thing to do, to bless those who persecute us. But that's what we need to do. You know, turn it around to, you know, Lord, please help them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're cursing. They don't know what they're, you know, blaspheming. Help them somehow to see the truth. Remember how God rescued you through Jesus Christ when you were deceived and living in sin. It's a good thing to remember that so that then you can have empathy toward others who are in that same situation. Though it's harder to forgive someone who claims to be a Christian and says that you're judging them and persecutes you, still, you must learn how to keep in God's love for them. We need to keep in God's love even for people who call themselves Christians who are clearly not living a Christian life and persecuting us from their vantage point. We still need to have God's love for them. Our purpose as Christians is to reconcile people to the Lord Jesus Christ, lest we forget. Sometimes we forget that. It's not to push them away. It's not to prove that we are right. It is to bring them to the Lord so that they can repent of their own sins and embrace the Lord. Remember, we are to reconcile people to God as Jesus Christ reconciled us to the Father. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. An important verse. That's our job. Our job is to reconcile people to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Father. You know, remember, you will have this conversation again someday, and you will be accountable for the way you handle people who are deceived or have wandered away from the faith. Matthew 12, 36, but I tell you that men will give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. This is why teachers will be judged more severely than others because they have to be careful about what they're teaching. I'm always mindful of that. And I try to make sure that the words that I'm saying are the words that the Lord wants me to say and not my own ideas. The next thing that Jude says is wait on the Lord. That's a real principle there. God has been merciful to you and still may be to them. God's not willing that any should perish, and neither should you be. Sometimes we have to wait a long time for somebody to come to repentance, and we think we're waiting forever. This is just never going to happen. But don't give up. Don't give up praying for them till the very end, because only God knows if they're going to repent or not. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow, slow and keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the Lord's attitude. <laughs> do we have that attitude? I pray that we do. I know sometimes I don't, <laughs> but I need to have that. It's important. Jude next says, be merciful to those in doubt. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are in doubt today. This is talking about those who are kind of in between. You know, they kind of believe in the Lord, but they, they kind of don't believe in the Lord. They kind of want to be around Christians, but not be around Christians, whatever it may be. Those who are being deceived or who are just realizing they have been deceived, that's the kind of people we're talking about. The Holy Spirit may be convicting them of their sins. But many people are sort of in, in this in-between place today. And we got to help them to see the truth in love. That's basically what postmodernism is all about. It's about shades of gray. It's about being in-between. Everything's subjective, you know. Uh, Everything is, uh, you know, truth is not a set thing. Truth may be one thing for me and another truth, something for somebody else. And they're always in this continuing shades of gray, and they think it's so great. But it's not. Not at all. It's like living in a, you know, there's no foundation. You're in a house that's broken up by the waves and the wind. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. 
again, back to the balance. We need to speak the truth in love. I've given this example before, but when I was ministering in Hawaii, being a missionary in, in Micronesia, they used to have these groups that would go down to Waikiki and they would witness on the, on the street corner down there. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good opportunity. But the problem is, is they usually had two different groups on two different sides of the issue. One group was like, um, well, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're singing all these songs about God loves you and just wants you to come to him and, you know, just come, just come to the Lord. Then the other side, people are going, you're going to go to hell. You've had it. Uh, you're a sinner and uh, you need to repent. And of course, which goes over really well with people who have gone to Hawaii <laughs> and they're walking down the street <laughs> to go to the beach. <laughs> but it's like two different sides. One side's all truth and the other side is all love. Doesn't work. You got to have a balance to be able to effectively witness to people. He goes on to say, snatch others from the fire. You know, some are almost in the fire, but some are in the fires already. But we have to try to rescue them. They must be taken from the fire or they will be burned. They must be told to avoid meetings of false teachers and false prophets. Oh, man, some people are in the fire. Be careful. But you need to try to snatch them out of there. Mark 13, 22 says, For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect. If that were possible, uh, they're going to perform signs and miracles, great signs and miracles, it says elsewhere. Things that we think are, maybe we think they're from God because they're so amazing, but actually they're not from God. They're from the enemy. So the people that we're witnessing to need to be advised not to allow strangers to pray over them. If they've been in the fire for a long time, they may need prayer for deliverance from another spirit. But they must be willing to renounce what they've believed and are doing in order to be rescued. I have noticed that people that have received the false anointing through the laying on of hands. They have to renounce it all. They have to renounce the person that laid their hands on them, renounce the enemy, and turn away from it. And stop believing in that, that that's from the Lord. It's a difficult thing. And sometimes they need help from, from a, a mature Christian to get out of it. But uh, that sometimes is the case. Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to, the, to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is something that these third wave uh, revivals forget about. Um, <laughs> refreshing doesn't come first. 
It's repentance that comes first. Then refreshing can come. The revival can come. I've been in a couple of real revivals in my life. And that's why I, I knew that these things from Toronto and Brownsville were not correct. Because I'd seen the real thing. And you know what? The real thing always started with in a meeting where it wasn't expected. Somebody stands up and says, you know what? I need to forgive this other person for what they've done for me. I've held a grudge and I need to forgive them. And then the other person stands up and says, I forgive you too, brother. And that started revival like you wouldn't believe. I mean, like real revival. All of a sudden, our school shut down for weeks and people were in prayer meetings and they were studying the Bible and they were going out to witness to people. It's quite different from what you see today. But that's how the Lord does it. He's looking for repentance first. And if you repent and turn away from your sins, then times of refreshing can come from the Lord. The next thing that uh, Jude says is show mercy mixed with fear. Now, this isn't fearing the enemy, but it's fearing God. And fearing that, you know what, we might fall into that same trap ourselves. Be careful not to fall into the fire when you're trying to rescue others. By the way, don't go to their meetings with them just to be their friends, even if they beg you. Stay away from those kinds of meetings and get the facts without having to go hear those false teachers. Why? Because they're dangerous. And they might even be able to deceive you, too. I know people that's, that's happened to. They're very tricky with their words. They're tricky with their doctrines of demons. And they can fool you. So we must still show mercy to those who are in the fire. But mercy mixed with fear, always being aware of the deception, apostasy, and demonic activity with which they may be involved. The Lord says, touch not the unclean thing. Second Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. By the way, don't let, don't let unclean things touch you either. <laughs> Given this pandemic, it's become obvious that you have to be careful about washing your hands and people touching you. Hey, guess what? Same thing with, uh, with Christianity. Be careful. You don't know where their hands have been. You know, this doesn't mean that we fear men or demons if we're in Christ. We are to fear the one who can damn souls to hell. We are to fear God's judgment if we fall into the fire with them. We must not participate with them in their false teaching, false worship, false anointings. You know, be aware that there is little hope for false teachers and leaders of the third wave, etc. Very few have repented as far as I know. Yeah, it's pretty hard for them to repent after they've taken so much money from all their adherents. They'd have to give it all back if they were really repenting. <laughs> Try that one on for size. 
these people who make multiple millions of dollars every year by telling people to give money. So I don't expect a lot of them to repent. There have been a few, but very few. Actually, more are diving into apostasy every day. Few leaders will come out, but the followers still have hope of being saved. So we must not give up on doing what the Lord wants us to do. We need to go after them, just like the shepherd goes after the wandering sheep. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. They're just wandering. We need to help them and go pick them up and bring them back to the Lord. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. That's what the devil wants you to do. Give up. Have you ever noticed when you're praying, the enemy wants to bring all kinds of garbage into your mind while you're praying to distract you? <laughs> That's because prayer is important. So don't give up. Don't allow him to do that. Psalm 82, 4 says, rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's what we're supposed to do today. Rescue the weak and the needy. Going on to verses 24 through 25, Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I always remember my father giving that as a benediction many times. Of course, it was in KJV, <laughs> but uh, that's how I learned it. But it's such a, it really does make such a great benediction. Jesus Christ is able to keep us from falling into the traps of false doctrine and practice. He's able to bring us to himself, ultimately in the rapture, and to give us new clothes of righteousness that will last forever. Only God can do this. You can't do this for yourself. Because God is able to rescue us from our own self-deception and the deception of false teachers, we owe him praise. Because he deserves all the glory, majesty, power, and authority. Ascribe to the Lord when you're praying to him. Ascribe to the Lord when you're singing songs. Don't sing all these songs about you, you, you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Who cares? It's all about him. He deserves the glory and majesty, power, and authority. Remember that God's, God holds all the power and authority over all creation, including death, Hades, the devil, and hell. If we hold on to Jesus Christ, he will see us through. Jesus Christ is the almighty God from eternity past to eternity future. He's not just a man. He's almighty God. He's always God. He's 100% God and 100% man. And we can trust in him. We can depend on him because he's faithful and everlasting. He goes on forever. 
What Jesus says lasts forever. The Bible lasts forever. His words. We can be thankful to him because he's going to be there all the way from where we are now through to eternity future. Not to the end. <laughs> there is no end for you and I if we continue to believe in the Lord. We will be with him forever. Hey, you know, let's make sure that uh, there are a lot of people there with us. You know, we want our friends and relatives and everybody else so we can get our hands on to be there with us in eternity. So I'll just leave you with that. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully that will be something that will spur you on to continue to witness to people and don't give up. Because I've seen people that I thought would never come to the Lord, ever. And they ended up coming to the Lord. This is an amazing thing. If you don't, if you just don't give up.